And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I could have kicked myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger. Ready to move out. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Marie Wilson stars in the conclusion to My Friend Irma, and then we'll see a dramatic side to Lucille Ball as she stars in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. And by my side, as always, is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. No E. Right, and I am by your side, but metaphorically, yes, not literally. Not attached at the hip here. <laughs> not, not touching at all. Um, Actually, about three feet away, that's a good distance, I think. Yes. We can't hit each other that way. That's right, or punch yeah. or yeah. anything. Oh, right. So. All right, so what's happening in Hollywood? So Dana Carvey is set to return to television on... Chop and broccoli. Yes, yes. Chop, chop, chop and broccoli. Yes, well, maybe you should one be... One of hit. my favorite, my right, favorite skits funny. of all it's time. Right, a good one. Yeah. Uh, this is USA's unscripted comedy called First Impressions. First Impressions, unscripted. It's a reality show. Exactly. So this will feature America's best up-and-coming impressionists. I like it. Right? And they face off to see who can pull off the best celebrity impression. I think it's a great idea. Kind of like an American idol of impressionists. And he's great for this because he does so many impressions. So he will be the expert mentor to the contestants. um, And this series will feature celebrity guests as well. And the viewers at home cast votes and they help crown a winner. And it will be a a half-hour reality show described as Battle of Impressionists. You know what? You know what my impression is of this? What? I like it. I like it. I so like there it. is no date hey, exactly Mikey, yet, I like but it. he likes I think it. I could go on there with some of my impressions? Uh, you might not last too long, but hey, give think. it your best. All right, I'm gonna do, here's going to try one out. Ready? Okay. Okay, who's this? Hello there, Lisa. How are you? Yeah, I'm the creepy guy. There. A lonely, lonely Very man. Very <laughs> creepy guy. My name is Peter Laurie. Yes. How's that? Uh, perfect. All right, how, here's another one. Okay, good. Are you ready? I'm going to make him an offer. I can't refuse. You, came here, you come here on the day of my daughter's wedding and you ask me to murder. Okay, that's not bad. How's that? That's not bad. Um, let me see. Do I have any other ones? No, that's it. Um, that covers it, doesn't mm, it, Mike? That's about it. Yeah. I might have one or two more. I got. How about this one? Can you do a Johnny Carson? How, how about this? Ready? One, two, three. Ah, 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 ah. How's that? Yeah. Count. Uh, what's his name? Count <laughs> Chocolate. Count, I'm the Count. <laughs> How's that one? Yeah. I think I should go on this show. You know what? You what should do you win? Do you win it. anything? I'm sure there's some money involved. If there's money involved, I'm there. That's what I'm suggesting. You know, I don't say no to money. Well, I didn't say they asked you. I said well, maybe you could reach out to them. Right. Well, sounds good. I okay. think I'm going to check that out. First impression. Dana Carvey. Yep. First impression. Give him a All call. Right. Sounds great. Thanks, Lisa. Great sure. idea for a show. Yeah. All righty. Let's tune in now to part two, the conclusion of My Friend Irma. Let's go back to February 2nd, 1948, starring Marie Wilson. Well, 
this time, little Jane Stacy really pulled off a beaut. Richard has turned out to be the swellest guy that ever lived. And I, like a fool, had to write him a letter calling him more names than there are in the vocabulary of a sailor's parrot. Oh, if he ever gets that letter. Well, that's the end, that's all. I'm going out of my mind, thinking of ways to get it back before he reads it. Irma. What, Jane? How am I going to keep that letter from Richard? Well, it's simple. What do you mean? Well, why don't you elope with him tonight? Then tomorrow you'll have the right to open his mail. Oh. <laughs> Irma, be sensible. You. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, you've given me an idea. I won't open his mail. I'll just get to the office at 7 in the morning and get the letter from the mailing room before it's distributed. Well, how will you get up so early? By going to bed right now. Irma, you put that book down. Turn out the lights. Come on. Oh, but this book is so interesting. It's all about dreams. Dreams? Yes, it explains them. You have no idea what goes on in a person's mind when they're unconscious. <laughs> I have a rough idea. Well, of course, I don't believe at all. This book says if a girl puts a piece of wedding cake under a pillow and dreams, she'll soon get married. Well, honey, why don't you try it? I have, but I get hungry in the middle of the night and I eat up my future. Well, come on, sweetie, put the book down. Now, you know you get nightmares when you read in bed. Like the other night, you woke up screaming that you were cold. You wanted someone to stop the horse. <laughs> Oh, yes, I'll never read Lady Godiva again. <laughs> now, come on, sweetie, turn out the lights. This is one night that I must not oversleep. All right, Jane, uh, just give me a moment to do my face. Uh, let's see. Oh, first the cold cream. See, this stuff is so chilly. <laughs> Why don't they make hot cold cream? <laughs> I'll tell them. Please hurry up, honey. Come on. All right. Uh, now cleansing cream. All night cream. All-purpose cream, beauty cream, sour cream. Sour cream? Yes, I'm hungry. Oh. Come on, honey, come to bed. Well, in a minute, Jane, it takes a while to get all this makeup off. Yeah, I know, honey, but I've seen him get the barnacles off a battleship in less time. Well, now I'm finished. Now I just want to fix these curlers in my hair. All right. Irma, I'm sure you can do that faster. Every curl doesn't have to spell Al. <laughs> well, I like to keep him on my mind. Well, here goes the light. Good night, Jane. Good night, honey. Do you mind if I open the window? Oh, no, no, leave, leave it closed, Irma. It's raining. But I can't sleep with the window closed. Well, try for my sake, huh? All right. Good night. Good night, honey. Jane. Jane. Gee, she must have been tired of sleep already. Now I can open the window. <laughs> oh, Richard. Richard, isn't Niagara Falls beautiful? <laughs> I can feel the spray in my face. <laughs> Irma. Irma, the window's open. I'm getting soaked. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim. I, I didn't think it would come in. I'll close it. Oh, honey, please, will you go to sleep? I must be at the office at 7. All right, Jane. Good night. Good night. Oh, Jane. What now, Irma? My foot itches. <laughs> well, scratch it. I can't. It's on your side of the bed. <laughs> You're closer. All right.
right. Where? There. Okay? Thank you. Good night, Irma. Good night, Jane. <laughs> Jane. <laughs> oh, Jane. Hmm? What is it? Are you awake? <laughs> no. Oh. Are you sure? Absolutely. But you spoke to me. I talk in my sleep. <laughs> oh, Irma, darling, what's wrong now? I can't sleep. Well, try counting sheep. All right. One, two, three, five, six, eight, nine, eleven, twelve. What happened to four, seven, and ten? <laughs> Those are black sheep, and I can't see them in the dark. <laughs> Irma, honestly, if you don't let me sleep, I will scream. Oh, no, you'll wake everybody up. Good night, Irma. Good night, Jane. Oh, no, 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 you don't. Hmm? Irma, what, honey? Irma? Get off your knees and stop pleading. Oh, now I've really got trouble. She's talking in her sleep. How dare you try to kiss me? I'm engaged to Al, so you had better go, go. Do you hear me, Van Johnson? <laughs> oh, mother. Irma, Irma, honey, get up. Get up. Irma. Huh? Oh, Jane, I had the most terrible nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing. You're telling me. <laughs> you sent Van Johnson away and asked for Al. And to me, that's like sending back steak and begging for horse meat. Gee, Jane, why do I get these nightmares? Well, honey, try, try sleeping on your back. Makes me snore. Oh. Well, try sleeping on your stomach. No, I might smother. <laughs> why don't you try sleepwalking and get out of here? I've got to get up early. Well, Jane, take my advice and go right to sleep. Oh, Mother. Oh, no. No, this is all a dream. Who is it? Girls, it's only me, Professor Kropotkin. Let me in, it's emergency. Oh, well, wait till we slip into robes, Professor. All right, uh, you can come in now. Girls, I hate to bother you, but maybe you got some pots and pans. <laughs> you cooking now? Who's cooking? It's raining and the water is coming through the roof. Well, did you tell Mrs. O'Reilly? Don't be silly. She'll charge me for swimming privileges. <laughs> oh, professor, please, please ask Mrs. O'Reilly or ask the Martins or ask anybody, but I've got to get some sleep. Good night. All right. All right, Jenny. Don't get excited. I'll tread water tonight. <laughs> Oh, Irma, it's past midnight. I'm just getting panicky. If I'm not in that office by seven, my world is ended. Irma Peterson, if you have any love for me at all, please go to sleep. All right. Gee, I guess I, I shouldn't have read that book about dreams. Oh, please turn out the light and get in bed or I will... Shh, shh. Say we're not in. Okay. We're not in. <laughs> Chicken, it's me, Al. Oh, what is this, Grand Central Station? Wait till we get our robes on, Al. We're not decent. Jane, don't have an inferiority complex. We're just as nice as anyone. <laughs> okay, Al. Come on in. Stay a week or two. Didn't mean to barge in on you. Just left the boys and saw you like... 
Hey, chicken, this is the first time I ever seen you with all the junk on your face that dames use when they go to bed. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting? If you put a cherry on your nose, you could pass for an ice cream sundae. <laughs> Look, Al, it's not that I'm an unfriendly person. I like company as much as the next girl, but not at 1.30 in the morning. Get it, Al? What are you so nervous about, Janie? Oh, Al, Richard and I patched up our quarrel, and there happens to be a letter in the mail in which I call him everything in the world, and I must stop that letter. Say, Irma, the kid's got right. Recognize your predicament, Jane. Must stop that letter. Well, how, Al? Only one man who can help us. Who, Al? Who else but... Hello, Joe. <laughs> Al, got a problem. Joe, who do you know at the post office? Oh, all them guys whose pictures are on the walls. <laughs> no, no, Joe, we're, we're, we're trying to stop a letter that's been mailed. How do I do it? Uh-huh. 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 Mm-hmm. You do not wish to tamper with the government because most of your family is with the government. Well, where, Joe? On an island in the Pacific? <laughs> what island, Joe? Oh, Alcatraz. <laughs> Understand your point, Joe, and respect your desire not to travel. Good night, Joe. Looks like you're in a tough spot, Janie. Oh, look, Al, thanks for trying, but if you'll just let me get some sleep, I'll stop that letter myself in the morning. Okay, Jane. Good night, chicken. Al, I, I know my face is all covered with cold cream, but would you like to just peck me on the cheek? Can't take a chance, chicken. Might slip and bite off your nose. <laughs> Good night and pleasant dreams, chicken. Good night, Al, honey. Jane, let's just sit here, sit here and talk about Al. Oh, Irma, will you turn out the lights? My goodness, it's almost two and I should get up at six. How will I get eight hours sleep in four hours? Well, you can drag it out. Sleep slow. Oh. <laughs> Irma, for the last time, if you make one more sound until I tell you, so help me, I don't know what I'll do. You have my promise. Good night. Hmm? Hmm? Oh. oh, oh, Irma, Irma, the telephone. Yes, it's ringing. Well, answer it. It's on your side of the bed. Oh, all right, all right, I'll get it. Hello. What? Richard? Oh my goodness, what time is it? Oh. <gasps> Irma, it's noon. I know. Why didn't you wake me? You told me not to make a sound until I heard from you. Oh. <laughs> oh, uh, Richard. Richard, there, there's something I must tell you. you. You see the letter, Richard. I mean, I, I... Excuse me a minute. Richard, oh, Irma, he knows. He knows. Oh, Jane, you're crying. Here, I have some Kleenex in my purse. Oh, Jane, look. What? You're going to hate me. Why? I forgot to mail the letter. <laughs> what? Oh, bless you. Oh, hello, Richard. Oh, and it's nothing, Richard. No, nothing happened. I just overslept. <laughs> Crying? Oh, that's ridiculous. Of course, I think the world of you. I always have thought the world of you. I never thought anything different. I'll be right down, Richard. Oh, Irma, you are a darling Irma. Can you kiss me? And I'll do it again. All right, uh, but don't tell Al. He's so jealous. <laughs> My friend 
Panderma, presented by Swan, another fine product of Lieber Brothers Company, was produced and directed by Cy Howard. Tonight's script was written by Cy Howard and Park Levy. Frank Bingman speaking. Tune in next week one hour earlier and listen to the Lux Radio Theater, immediately followed by my friend Irma. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's My Friend Irma from February 2nd, 1948, starring Marie Wilson along with Kathy Lewis, John Brown, and Hans Conried. Sponsored by Swan and Spry. I'm not sure if uh, either one of them is around anymore. Swan Soap and Spry? No, I think Swan Soap was a laundry detergent, though, No, right? it was a bar of was soap. Was it a bar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Spry, not sure what the heck that was. Right. Um, but it was kind of bubbly and spry. Right, it was very yeah. upbeat. Frank Bingman doing the announcing there as heard on CBS. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360. Lisa Wolf to my right and Mike Costello to my left, my team here on the Hollywood 360 radio series. It's time now for a tale well calculated to keep us in suspense. You're going to hear Lucille Ball, who's best known for playing comedy characters on television. You'll hear a very dramatic side of her here on this suspense episode. Let's go back to a broadcast date of October 14, 1948. This is called A Little Piece of Rope. Lucille Ball stars now in a tale well calculated to keep us in suspense. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations bring you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Starring tonight, Miss Lucille Ball in Anton Leder's production of A Little Piece of Rope, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. They said I'd never make good here in Hollywood. Everywhere I went, it was the same story. Sure, they'd see me, but the minute they took a look at my baby face, all I'd get was advice and excuses. No job. My last try was for a schoolgirl part. (laughs) I was too baby-faced to even land that one. I was walking home, still wearing the school uniform that I'd bought to help me get the part when I got the idea. Then I remembered another thing. It was years ago reading an old copy of the Police Gazette in Grandpa's attic, printed about 1880, I guess. With their falsely youthful faces, dressed as innocent schoolgirls, these vicious females haunt the vicinity of select young ladies' seminaries. And with their airs of artless girlhood, they entice and trap unwary gentlemen, some from the best of families... <laughs> it was funny then But now Well, those gals were suckers I take the exclusive gents for all they've got And give absolutely nothing That's how I made good in Hollywood Up to a thousand dollars a month good I just take a little walk
got uniforms for all the best schools. And I still have the baby face. So help me, lots of those kids look older than I do. When school's out, I let some old wolf pick me up. They always want to park up in the hills or some other lonely place. I drop my compact. He bends over to pick it up. I let him have it with a special little blackjack I carry. Then I leave, taking their wallets and any letters I find. You'd be surprised at some of the letters some of them do have. Makes a dandy bank balance now and then. Them? <laughs> Remember, I pick them old enough to have families, dignified jobs. Would they want to admit to chasing bobby soxers? They never squawk. <laughs> My landlady thinks I'm the ideal tenant. Oh, she's no trouble at all, the poor little thing. Infantile, you know. Has to take long walks every day and rest the rest of the time. Never any fun or dates like other pretty girls. Well, lucky she can afford it, I say. Be a county ward otherwise. And so sweet and quiet, uncomplaining, poor little soul. Yes, Mrs. Tilford is a swell character witness. Of course, I always wear a coat over those uniforms near home, and I keep them locked up just in case she snoops. Yes, yes, I've got a nice career in Hollywood. That is, I, I did have until last month. You going out in this cold, Isabel? Oh, this is a good heavy coat. Well, don't you overdo now. These walks are just what the doctor ordered. Anyway, you sure look healthy enough. Oh, thank heaven for that. Anything I can pick up for you on the way back? Oh, no, thanks, dearie. I got everything done. Goodbye now. Bye. I was dressed for Miss Cadwaller's school this time, and it was just letting out when I got there. I didn't have long to wait. You know, you get so you can tell by the way the cars move along the street if the guy's on the prowl. This one was driving a big black coupe, and he was a little younger than I liked, about 40, but he can't be too fussy. I stepped off the curb, pretending to look for a bus. Waiting for the bus? Why, yes, I am. Which one? The Bel Air bus. Oh, I say, that's a shame. Why? I just passed it back there. Broken axle. Oh. Uh, you know, I think I've seen you passing my house. What street do you live on? Cameron. Oh, sure. I'm just over on Bender. Hop in, I'll take you home. Oh, well, you're a neighbor. I guess it's... Gee, thanks, Mr... Rice. Alex Rice. Insurance. How do you do? Like school? I hate it. School's no fun. I'd like... Oh, I... What? Oh, excitement. Danger. <laughs> I suppose you think I'm pretty silly. No. No, I think you're the kind of girl who'll get excitement and danger. Really? <laughs> yes, really. Look, it's so early yet. I'd like to take the long way through the hills. It's pretty there now. Oh, yes, I'd love to. I think the hills are divine. And that's the first portion of Suspense with a Little Piece of Rope starring Lucille Ball. Let's take a break. Then when we return, we'll get back to Suspense. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Now let's get back to Lucille Ball starring in a Little Piece of Rope on Suspense.
Isn't it just out of this world? <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Oh. What's the initial on your bag for? The initial? Yeah. Irma? Oh. Inez? Ingeborg? Oh, Ingeborg. You made that up. No, it's Swedish. Uh, Imogene? Uh, no, Irene. Irene Taylor. A pretty name for a pretty girl. I'll bet. You have beautiful hair and eyes and a beautiful throat. Well, throat. Irene, you're very kind. Oh, Mr. Rice, I dropped my compact. You don't need it. But it might get stepped on. You won't need it. But I want it now. All I... right, all right, all right. Don't yell so here. I'll get it for you. Oh! Character, huh? Well, here, roll back a little. There. I... Well, what do you know? Rope. Now, why would a guy carry a piece of rope in his inside breast pocket? Hmm. Nice wallet. Well, goodbye, Mr. Rice, and thanks for everything. Back home, I showered and changed and settled down to see what was in this wallet worth keeping. Only about 50 bucks. What made it so thick was a lot of newspaper clippings. Oh! Oh, no! It can't be! But it was. Those clippings were all about the strangler who'd murdered five girls in the last year, left them in the hills with a piece of rope around their necks and never a clue. And Alexander Rice carried his... Press notices. Alexander Rice carried a little piece of rope in his inside breast pocket. Picked up girls, drove into the hills. And Alexander Rice wasn't his name. No, his driver's license said Benjamin Carney. I had picked up and slugged the strangler. My latest sucker was the most dangerous man in the country. Autolite is bringing you Miss Lucille Ball in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. At first, I just shivered over my narrow escape. Why, if I hadn't been out to get him, he'd have gotten me. I'd be number six in tomorrow's headlines. Then I suddenly realized... I was the only one who could identify him. I can't be silent, let him go on killing. I've got to go to the police station and tell them. I started to go out when it occurred to me I couldn't. I didn't dare go to the police and take the chance of exposing my own racket. If that ever came out, and it probably would. San Quentin, here I come. It seems they're a little stuffy about people who carry blackjacks and steal wallets and sell letters. So, instead, I went for a walk. A real one this time, and just tried to think. Pretty soon another thought hit me. He knew I could identify him by now. Strangler was no fool. He'd have me figured out and know the kind of place and time to look for me. And he'd certainly be looking for me, to kill me, to shut my mouth forever. I had to find a way to...
desk, Thompson. I... I know who the strangler is. Who's this? I can't tell you that. Oh, I see. Well, what can you tell me? You know his name? Benjamin Carney. Carney? C-A-R-N-E-Y. 1156A Boydell Street. Yeah? Description? About 40. 5'9 or 10. 160 pounds. Dark hair, eyes, skin, even features. Not ugly, not handsome. Drives a big black coupe. Lady, late model. Got it. Any identifying marks? Mustache? No, nothing. And how do you know this guy's the strangler? I just know. Goodbye. Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you can trace the call? There had been hundreds of phony clues, and he thought mine was another. But surely they'd check that name and address. All the way home, I had a creepy feeling he was around somewhere, following me, waiting evening paper barely mentioned my call, just listed it with several others. Radio wasn't very much better. An unidentified woman phoned in a description of the killer as a 40-year-old brunette, medium height and weight, with no distinguishing features, driving a new black coupe. Police checks revealed that such a man, with the name she gave, had moved from the address given several months before the first of the Strangler murders, but there is no further trace of him. Investigation continues, but it is believed this is another spite accusation. A Portland, Oregon woman reported the strangler as the man who entered her hen house last night and... No use phoning again. I didn't think a letter would help much either, but I tried. Being careful, it couldn't be traced to me and mailed it to a newspaper that night. Hey, Mike. Mike, you going to the courthouse? Take this to O'Shea, will you? Another strangler letter telling all. Why can't he just strangle letter writers? One more and I'll strangle somebody. Another failure. The letter wasn't even printed. I was getting jumpy from being cooped up like a prisoner. What if he couldn't find me as long as I stayed home? I was losing money every day I didn't pull my act. I could leave town, but why should I give up this good thing, my, my perfect setup? I'd been doing fine. In another year, I could quit the racket, make friends, invest my money, maybe even get married. But now this had happened. I'd never be safe. Not as long as we both lived. I finally faced it. I have to find him and kill him. This time I put an ad in the personals column. Would he see it? <laughs> well, I'd run it till he did. A.K. Rice can book your rope oh, act for mutual, mutual profit. profit. Have immediate out-of-town engagement. Signed, Slugger. <laughs> Huh. Rope act and <laughs> mutual profit, huh? <laughs> I knew that would get him because it sounded like blackmail. And by pretending to fall for a shakedown, he'd hope to get close enough to kill me. Only it was going to be the other way around. And so our strange correspondence began. He answered right away. Slugger. Interested in offers. offers. Send, Send details. details. Box 047M298. Rice. I had him hooked. I didn't lose any time writing. Dear Mr. Rice, I have an invention which I think you'll want for your... your... rope act. It's expensive, but remember, it's completely silent. <laughs> and yours exclusively if we agree on terms. Signed, Slugger. Mm-hmm. Completely silent. 
It's delicious. And expensive. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Slugger, give price, price and, and details, details of contract. Rice. So close now. I couldn't afford the slightest mistake now or... Dear Mr. Rice, 5,000 cash buys complete... assortment of paper and leather goods. Time and place of meeting must be my choice, but decide fast. I must leave town immediately. Signed, Slugger. P.S. You should never have left that snapshot in your wallet. It's awfully good of you. Snapshot. I thought I... Oh, no. no. I didn't burn it. So, the little lady's in a jam. Needs money to hide out. And I can help her make her get away. Oh, I can indeed. <laughs> Slugger, price okay. okay. We'll, we'll close, close at, at your convenience, Rice. I've got him. My plan was as foolproof as I could make it. I packed a suitcase with the kind of clothes I'd hate to be found dead in, and maybe I would be, and told Mrs. Milford I was taking a vacation with friends. Oh, I'm so glad, dearie. I said to Miss Knight yesterday, that child should have country air. City air just don't do the same for you. Yes, I know. It'll do me good. And you stay longer if they ask mm -hmm. you. Don't worry about me holding the apartment for you. Well, thanks a lot, Mrs. Tilford. It's certainly nice of you. I have to catch that train now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Have a nice time now. <laughs> took those awful clothes to the bus depot, changed, washed, and let the soap dry on my face till it was white and shiny and ten years older. With my hair skinned back tight under an old beret, I, I saw a stranger in the mirror. Baby face was gone. Good. No one had noticed me, and looking like this, nobody would. Then I walked to another apartment I'd rented by phone last week. It was in a dingy neighborhood. I'm Miss Sprout. Oh, Miss Sprout, you can move right in. The people left yesterday. Here, this is the key. It's the first door at the head of the stairs. Fine, I'll, I'll go right up. It ain't clean yet. Them stairs bother me so. Oh, I'd really rather do it myself, thank you. Well, I'll just leave you alone there. Now I was Miss Annie Sprout, librarian. And I looked as much like Isabel Towns' baby face as, as an alley cat looks like a Persian. I sat down to write the last letter. Dear Mr. Rice, come to 609 Fitzgilbert Place at 10 p.m. Friday. And don't try to come near me or I'll scream my head off. Tap five times, come in, and stand right by the door while we make sure neither of us is double-crossing the other. Have the money in an unsealed envelope. I want that traveling money, but I'd rather take a chance on the cops than on you, so follow instructions. Slugger. <sighs> you fool. You baby-faced fool. He'd have to make sure the layout was right before he'd dare attack me. And the more precautions I took, the more he'd believe I was on the level. 
Near the door where he'd stand, I, I put a chest with a lamp on it. That was my booby trap, that lamp. The room was so dimly lit, he'd, he'd have to light my lamp to look at the wallet. And when he pulled the light chain, he'd shoot himself. I had a gun fixed where the bulb should be, and the chain pulled the trigger. It was set to get him in the chest. Heart, if I was lucky. Dead or not, I'd leave him there for the cops, with his wallet and clippings. <laughs> Pretty cute, huh? And I'd skip out the back way with all that beautiful money, go to the depot, become Isabel Towns again, safe and free. I wore gloves all the time I was there, and the suitcase with Isabel Towns' identity in it was ready by the back door. The hours passed like centuries. And the old house creaked like a sick old man in a squeaky bed. Of course, it might be the house, or it might be someone on the stairs. And then it was ten o'clock. I was standing at the other end of the room, facing the door. The light was very dim. I heard the feet coming up the stairs, or or was it just the creaking of the old house? No. No. Stand where you are. <laughs> Certainly. Did you bring the money? Yes, indeed. Here. In this envelope. Throw it down in the middle of the room, between us. Go ahead, throw it down. It'll stay there while you examine the leather goods. Do you have the wallet here? Yes. Throw the money. I, I can't reach it from here, you know. It's quite safe. All right. There. The wallet. Where is it? On that chest beside you by the lamp. Oh. Yes. Well, thanks, slugger. Aren't, aren't you going to look to see that everything's there? <laughs> Why should I? I trust you. So long, baby face. See you around. Oh, he's gotten away, alive. He must have guessed I'd done something to the lamp. So he was still alive and still dangerous. But at least I had the money, the $5,000. I picked up the envelope and opened it. There was nothing in it but pieces of newspaper cut to the size of bills. <gasps> Why, you dirty cheat! I ran to the door and opened it. I looked out, but he wasn't in sight. Maybe I could catch him before he got out of the house. Oh, you won't get away with this. I stepped into the hall and before I could turn, I felt the rope around my neck. His hands were pulling it tight. Oh, baby. 
I told you. See you around. You'll be safe on the floor while we finish our business. Now, I'll take a look at that wallet, baby. You might have held out some of those clippings. I'll just turn on this light. Thank you, Lucille Ball, for a splendid performance. It's always a great pleasure to appear on Suspense, especially when the part is so unusual and exciting. That's right, Miss Ball. The part of Isabel tonight was very different from your regular radio role on My Favorite Husband. (laughs) Plug? Why not? Why not? Something like, uh, listen to Lucille Ball as Liz Cougat on My Favorite Husband every Saturday night. Over your favorite CBS station. All right? (laughs) Wonderful. And I hope all of you will be listening next week when Suspense presents William Powell in a role that's also different from the parts he's been playing lately. He's playing a man who's just stolen a quarter of a million dollars and then finds out that... But you'll hear about it next Thursday when Suspense brings you Give Me Liberty, another gripping study in... Suspense. Lucille Ball may soon be seen in the Paramount production Sorrowful Jones. Barry Kroger was heard tonight in the part of The Strangler. Tonight's suspense play was written by Virginia Cross with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, suspense will present such stars as John Garfield, Margaret O'Brien, Sidney Greenstreet, Agnes Moorhead, Edmund O'Brien, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear William Powell in Give Me Liberty. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And that's Suspense from October 14, 1948, with A Little Piece of Rope, starring Lucille Ball. Also in the cast, High Averback, Barry Kroger, Paul Freese. Paul Freese played Boris Badenoff on the uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle cartoon series. He's had a ton of voiceover stuff. Harlow Wilcox, who was the announcer on Fibber McGee and Molly. Nobody names their kids Harlow anymore, you know, Lisa? Well, maybe they should. We should make a comeback with Harlow. And then William Johnstone uh, doing the announcing on that. Sponsored by Autolite. Resistor Spark Plugs is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed Suspense. Let's take a break. Then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. 
Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. All right, Lisa, that wraps up Hollywood 360 for this week. What's your schedule look like this week? You got lots of stuff to do, lots of picture taking of yourself. Yeah, I have to take a few pictures, right. email them over to you, and get the schedule up for next week's Hollywood 360. Right. Any review. acting gigs this week, or um, can I cook acting. for your kids at all, or no, I don't why do change that. your no. routine? Right. That would be so. Why feed them? No, they you know? don't really need to eat, do no. they? No. No. Not, not at this age, they don't. They don't need to yeah. grow anymore. No. <laughs> They're well grown. <laughs> it's more important to feed the dog. Yeah. Oh, well, that's for her sure. Her doggy. Yeah. That is the luckiest dog. Simba, the luckiest dog in the world. Oh. She, she shows me pictures constantly I of have new ones from today. Yeah. I'm, she's gonna sh- when we're done with the show, she's going to show me more pictures. And the dog has these ears that stick up all the time when they when its picture is taken. No, that's just how they always how he are. Looks? They just oh, straight up. Really? Just That's so serious. happy all the time. No, I don't know about that, but yeah. his ears are up. This is the most spoiled dog well, on the face sure. of the earth. All right, well, you know, it's nice you're an animal lover. She doesn't like people, but she likes... I actually don't love likes, animals. I, no. I just love my dog. Oh, you just love your one dog. Okay, <laughs> it's it. not an animal. That's why, That's you? It's like a, a kid. It's like a kid. All right, Lisa, next time it's Philo Vance Detective, our Miss Brooks, the lives of Harry Lime, the Green Hornet, the Charlie McCarthy Show, and Inner Sanctum Mysteries. For my co-host, Lisa Wolf, executive producer Mike Gastella, Sam Wolf, our engineer, Vince and Chris Lombardi, my crabby brother Vince Amari, Adam West, and me, Carl Amari, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe out there. We'll see you next time. To learn more about Hollywood 360 or to contact us, visit our website at hollywood360radio.com. Adam West speaking. 